0: takes a pretty special person to be honoured with the award, Freeman of London. After all, you cannot apply, but are invited by the Court of Common Council to take the freedom, and you must have made significant impact in your field to be recognised alongside some incredible people, such as Sir Winston Churchill, Princess Di, Nelson Mandela, Florence Nightingale, Bob Geldof and J.K. Rowling, to name just a few. My guest today is a community-driven guy who lives in a unique self built Walter Siegel House, is heavily involved in the Campaign for Real Ale, and is responsible for regeneration of local allotments, as well as planting a community orchard. He's an unassuming man, but you don't get to be awarded the highest honour of the City of London can bestow, unless you are special. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy, telling the timeless stories of London's hidden personalities. So here we are in a rather unique property and I'm delighted to welcome today's guest who is involved in a whole range of community uh, projects and passions of his and he was introduced to me through my wife who herself was giving a podcast not long ago, an interview, and it just struck me that this guest's background fitted absolutely perfectly with what we're trying to achieve here on Your London Legacy and all the work he does and all the things he's involved with. It just comes together in in a perfect blend. So I'm delighted to welcome on today's podcast Ian White.
1: Welcome Ian to Your London Legacy. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much and I'm very pleased to be uh, offered the chance to come and uh, talk about what I do. Uh, I'm just a normal uh, resident of london but i do get involved with a number of different things in the community may not be that high profile but still has an impact upon various areas of people's lives That's
0: absolutely true. And to say you're a normal resident, well, the definition of normal and London (laughs) is probably going hand in hand is uh, anybody's guess. But what struck me was your, your, as I say, your passion for the things you get involved with. From a member of Camera, you promote real ale and cider. From your work in the allotment and promoting development of allotments in the region, in the area, to your assistance and development of the home that we're sitting in and that we're living in. Uh, that you're living in, rather, which is a wonderful property, which we're going to talk about shortly before we wander over to the allotment and you show me the work that you've done there, and all the other things you do, culminating in, of course, um, a little thing that uh, we'll leave to to the end, a little surprise that we'll leave to the end, which will wrap everything up. So if you'd like to tell us a little bit about the property that we're sitting in, um, in this development, how this came about, because this itself is something which is, I don't know if it's completely unique, but fairly unique to London, I think.
1: This property is part of a Lewisham Council self-build scheme from the mid-80s. It was designed to enable people who had no building skills whatsoever to be able to build their own homes. These are timber-framed housing, so all you need to use is a drill and a saw, and you can bolt and screw the whole house together. The houses took about two years to build, and this part of a number of different developments uh, in and around uh, the Lewisham borough and there's a number of other properties in and around London and also in the UK. Uh, The building style is named after the architect who put together the um, formula for doing so um, and the architect is Walter Siegel he's a north london resident and he also did a number of brick and concrete modernistic properties but he's well known for being the person who enabled any londoner or any person to be able to build their own home it's Uh, similar to the uh, Tudor buildings of post and beam the black and white housing but using more modern materials one of the things was that because each person could build their own home as they went they could configure it to however they liked the house to be so if you look in the street uh, that we're in uh, Waters Way you will see the houses are all completely uh, being altered and changed and different configurations inside Uh, It still attracts a lot of attention. We have architectural students coming on a regular basis to study this building style because of its simplicity, but also uh, what it can empower people to do. And we also have the house and one or two other neighbours' houses open for one Sunday afternoon each year as part of the London Open House scheme. This has been mostly about the... 15th uh, 20th year that we've had properties in our street open and
0: so does that mean they're open to the general public uh, once a year twice a year
1: yeah once a year the general public can come as part of an open house and for free and come and have a look we also have videos and various other um, items on display and we've had on average round about 500 people uh, on a sunday afternoon show interest Uh, once we had 850 so there's a a lot of people really intrigued about sort of these housing and also we do have um, every year a number of people who are very interested in going and doing self-building in this style so you say anybody can build
0: these. I mean, I, I for one couldn't because I'm absolutely useless practically with uh, you know putting up a, a shelf. My wife would have a heart failure. So I mean, presumably you've got to have some building knowledge and, and wherewithal, an application to put a property. I mean, just just to describe the layout of the property we're sitting in at the moment. Is it, is this a property you actually built yourself from scratch by hand yourself?
1: this house i uh, purchased from the original builder who'd lived here for 10 years and wanted to have a complete change of lifestyle and um, leave london but i've lived in here for the last 20 years and i've done my own alterations and uh, additions to the house you don't need uh, that uh you know sort of high level of building skill it's uh you can see exactly how the house c- goes together you can see all the main wooden structure and you can just work it out yourself the beauty of being bolt together and screw together is that if you make a mistake you can just simply unscrew and have another go whereas if you build a brick wall you have to sort of demolish it yeah so after a little bit of tuition people should be able to be able make uh, a start on yes yeah, sort of the so what what are the key sort of materials
0: that uh, are used in the construction obviously there's timber and what what else are the partition walls are they sort of stud partition plasterboard
1: yes. typically the uh main uprights are just very large bits of uh, timber uh douglas fir which is very good building uh, timber And it's just you make a big frame of the whole volume of the house to start off with and then you fill in on all the parts so and since because you've got large bits of wood taking all the load bearing you have um, a lot of space between each piece of timber to do whatever you like so if you want to put in great big huge windows as you can sort of see here um you know so sort of from edge to edge you can do so or if you want to put in a wall you can just build a wall the um external walls are industrial uh, cladding and uh, yeah inside is just normal uh, plaster board i should say we're sitting
0: in the i guess you call this your front living room i'm supposed dining room and it's just beautifully bright and sunny today is a gorgeous day in fact we had to postpone the last podcast because of the heavy snow we've had recently so today is a gorgeous day and we've got these big floor to ceiling french doors leading on to the 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 terraced area and it's just sun streaming through where we're sitting it's absolutely glorious so how many properties are there in this small development because it really is quite unusual you can, you can drive past you and not even be aware that you're driving past this sort of unusual oasis i mean i came through central london then up through peckham and peckham right and it's just london central london mass sprawl and then suburbia then you've got this little oasis of
1: unique properties and it's just quite stunning yes yeah, so there's 13 houses here and about 10 minutes walk away there's another development of a chalet style single story housing Uh, that's got about 10 housing and there's other ones dotted around within sort of like london there would have been more housing but for the self-build schemes it often takes a long time to get off the ground Um, with you know apart from planning permission and that you have to get finance and that and when you get a scheme underway often uh, government policies and various other uh, elements uh, change and you have to kind of start again so people often ask why aren't there thousands of these houses around because it's such a good idea but it is just the effort of trying to deal with yes a bureaucracy and yes of uh, things to try and get them off um, up and running but good news is one of the neighbors uh, their son uh, is running a self-build scheme uh, not far from here in ladywell uh, called russ and he's got the land and backing of lewisham council and there's plans going through at the moment so it is still going on but yeah if, if you could simplify it it would be a lot easier but if you want to find your own plot of land and build a ho- one house yourself that uh, um, that's a lot easier and we know of a couple who live around the corner who's been inspired by these properties and we hear that they've got a plot of land in Somerset and want to do something very similar.
0: I can't imagine they come up on the market too often for sale. Most people I would guess want to sort of keep them
1: in the family heritage and pass them down. Yes we've still got three of the original self-builders living here. I think most houses have changed hands,
0: once or twice do they retain their market value or do they have a niche value because of their uniqueness i suppose because they're not everybody's cup of tea i would imagine most people would want the traditional sort of brick and tile
1: yeah a lot of people are very much of yes brick is best but you'll be surprised of how many properties are actually timber framed uh, actually in britain and i think these days with london property market there is no way of being able to put a, a rational price on a property. So I can't really comment no, that's on fair enough
0: The other thing, I mean, from my point of view, my, my business background is in uh, dealing with insurance claims. And uh, one of the things insurers don't like uh, or put a big premium on is timber, timber frame properties, because obviously they pose a far greater fire risk. So do you have problems get, getting insurance or are there specific insurers who will consider taking these on cover?
1: We've being able to get insurance through most major insurance brokers and yeah you have to explain exactly what the house is constructed from some of the very cheap uh, insurance companies uh, they will uh, just have a very narrow restrictive range of what properties they would want to insure on but there's also specialist insurers which will do this but the thing is this house despite that the main uprights are timber the majority of the house is plasterboard industrial cladding which is not a far risk at all and if you think about a normal uh, house what are the floors made out of what holds up the roof it's all timber so proportionally we most probably only have another sort of 10-15% more timber in this particular property than an existing property and if you look at the uh, big timbers that hold the house up you're going to have to take a fair amount of heat to start trying to burn them through so uh, the yeah a lot of people do wonder about fire risk but this particular style of building being a timber framed uh, house there is not as much fire risk as say if you were considering a house wholly made out of timber but if you go to places like america scandinavia and that uh, many houses
0: vast proportion are all timber i guess i'm just cynical from my uh, uh, dealing with insurance claims for many years <laughs> In, and, uh, indeed, but
1: indeed yeah like, so the, one of the problems is britain has this uh, focus that brick is best I've had that conversation for the last 20-odd you know, years, and uh, yeah, we need to change it because there's lots of other building alternatives there, and the amount of uh, houses that actually do catch fire.
0: Yeah, F- fingers crossed. I mean, it's because of the nature of the business. I mean, I deal with claims all the time. So fingers crossed, you never have cause to uh, fall back on uh, on insurers um, and <laughs> in the houses. It stays up for many, many years to come. Let's move on to your um, your involvement with Camera, um, the campaign for real ale. How did you get involved with Camera? What's your passion? What made you become so passionate about real ale? I have to I have to sort of caveat what what we're saying here because I, I, I've drunk beer and alcohol for a number of years until beginning of this year when I have sort of uh, stopped drinking completely. So talking about alcohol is probably
1: not going to do me any f- favors whatsoever. I was always fascinated by public houses as a small child walking past these mysterious places that you could hardly see in and uh, that so when i became of age uh, i went to a few pubs but over the later teenage years i found that i was more interested in the more historical interesting pubs than just sort of bog standard watering holes Uh, moving to london in the uh, mid 80s there was uh, something called a beer festival not far from where we were living went along and there was a a really lovely selection of beers and kind of signed up to being a camera member but uh, i was very much of a person who just kind of went to beer festivals and didn't do anything else until about 15 years ago i started helping out more at a Local beer festival and got chatting to people and went along to a few socials. And then at uh, one stage, I was uh, asked if I uh, could run a cider bar for the next up and coming beer festival because I had some interest in cider and, well, I was kind of volunteered to go and do it. So, uh, slightly thrown in the deep end, uh, I ran the bar and then camera has this uh, national structure of a number of different uh, working groups and there's a group that promotes cider within camera it's yes. uh, called apple um and um they were looking for people to uh, start supporting uh, the apple committee uh, regionally and since i'd been running this bar and been doing very well I was asked to become a regional coordinator that I've done for about nine years putting on pub crawls events for the public and also talking to publicans about sort of raising the profile of cider and I have done other things. So how how does that
0: fit in with you because I understand also you've uh, developed your own cider label as well one tree hill cider is that what it's called
1: yeah that's uh partly sort of hand in hand with uh, the allotments that i started making my own cider roundabouts of 15 years ago had a bit of a try here and there and then uh, somebody who uh, did have a plot on the allotment uh, had a small press and started doing a day on the allotment each autumn but uh, they tailed off so i took over uh, running it and i've now got my own press and various other equipment i think we're
0: going to wander over to the allotment shortly and then we, we, we will have do a, have a good look at that but th- this um cider the creation that you've come up with is that something you sell commercially or is it just a bit of
1: a side hobby that you do it has been a side hobby for a number of years uh, but in recent times i've been the cider has been at uh, Number of camera beer festivals within the locality. I only make uh, twenty-five to thirty gallons a year. That uh, it's not a great deal really to start retailing to public houses making uh, cider from scratch is quite a labor intensive process of uh, having to handle each apple and mill it and crush it and that so it's also i have a small garden shed and that's uh, full with Demijohns of uh, cider Uh, i don't have any more space really to expand or time to expand what what is a (laughs) demijohn oh demijohn is one of those uh, lovely uh, glass uh, um, large vessels which you make homemade wine in you may have seen with uh, an airlock bubbling away so um, it's only a small scale thing but it uh, goes to demonstrate to uh, the public open day that i run of how you make uh, cider and one of the things is that all the apples that goes into my cider uh, would normally go to waste. So I go around people's back gardens and collect apples uh, that... Uh, With their consent, I assume. of you're, course, you're,
0: yes. <laughs> they don't <laughs> yes. wake up in the morning and find you wandering around on your hands and knees collecting.
1: No, no they're very pleased to me to go around and actually do a bit of a clearance uh, job on it and then turn it into something uh, very useful.
0: So why don't we now take the opportunity and wander? It's just over the road, I think, isn't it? Go to the allotment, and then you can tell us all about that's where the cider making and your community element of bringing the children in and all the families in to make cider, I believe. Yes. So that takes place, and you can show us around there and all the work you've done over on the allotment and the good work you've done for the community. So let's wander over there, and then we'll pick this conversation up in a minute. Yeah, okay?
1: do Don wellies.
0: So here we are again, we've just wandered over from uh, Ian's house, just over the road and we're now sat on a lovely old bench with wonderful views overlooking... Where are we exactly in? Just explain. We're uh,
1: looking uh, eastwards uh, from uh, One Tree Hill right over to Blythe Hill Fields, which you can see here, to Catford and uh, over to Bromley and right on the uh, skyline is uh, Biggin Hill and Yes, yeah, sort of the hills of Kent. So we're in a, a
0: beautiful elevated position here, called One Tree Hill. Hill, and you were saying there was a famous story of uh, when Queen El- Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth
1: the First, not the uh, current uh, Queen, who came on her travels and stopped here when in the 16th century. This was uh, open land and uh, had a picnic, and uh, uh, after uh lunchtime tipple or two uh was alleged to have knighted a tree in error surely the queen of the day didn't drink she wasn't partial <laughs> to some of the old cider um, and uh, this is why the area is known as honor oak park so we're sitting here amongst uh
0: roughly i believe 60 allotments yep owned variously by local residents of which you are one so what's your, inv- you've got one of the uh, allotments that we've walked past it. so what, what's your involvement been in developing this allotment and allotments generally in the in the
1: area? Uh, I took on the allotment in about 1998 when allotments were n- not that uh, popular but were just starting to get uh, a lot of uh, interest from a whole new generation so I started on the site that was perhaps only a third occupied, a lot of plots were abandoned and it was quite tough going. Uh, The slugs uh, were very uh, happy living on abandoned plots and then going on to nicely cultivated plots and uh, eating your hard uh, grafted produce, Uh, but soon after more interest was being shown in allotments and At the time there was a change in the committee and I was uh, asked to go and join and become Membership Secretary and uh, uh, soon after having to deal with an influx of interested people. So over the next five years of trying to get their new people onto plots and working but of course with abandoned plots uh, we had to do a lot of work to bring the site up to standard, Um, anything from demolishing old sheds, taking away loads of rubbish, uh, getting a better constitution in place, putting infrastructure in, as you uh, mentioned we're in an elevated position, we've got quite a steep sloping site, so putting in uh, proper uh, steps and handrails in certain areas and um, then uh, there was an initiative uh, by um, a national organisation to uh, regenerate uh, allotments and I became the London allotment regeneration mentor for about five years going around other sites to uh, speak to uh, the committees and give them you know, advice and support on what to do in order to um, you know, improve generate improve and uh, bring their sites into good usage so is there now sort of an upward trend or
0: momentum in people getting involved with allotments more than there there was several years ago
1: in the last 10 years there has been a huge increase and uh, uh, waiting lists are anything from uh, six months to ten years in certain areas like so Camden um, I think we've got about a four-year waiting list, something like that at the moment. So um, yes uh, people have um, really embraced growing your own and the benefits of being able to uh, have some land and you know do some gardening but one of the things that uh, I've always been passionate about is that um, allotments is there to grow food but uh, allotments is also because a lot of people who garden come from the immediate neighborhood is about creating a sense of community getting to know people and and,
0: and this is what you've been big on developing community both within your local residential sort of uh, street as well with your street parties that you throw on a regular basis but more so what you do here here on the allotment for the wider community so just explain what you do here because I always thought allotments were for the elderly um, but clearly you can involve families with young children and so on in in an educational way. So what goes on here that you do? Uh,
1: One of the main things that I do each year is to run uh, an open day for the public to come along and uh, get involved with uh, processing apples into apple juice. These are windfalls from people's back gardens and uh, they can come and use the machinery and the children just love uh, squashing apples sure. and then the the fresh juice that comes out is just unbelievably uh, very enjoyable so the kids just love helping themselves and so you can drink and, it straight from you know, the apples yes.
0: just squeeze freshly from the
1: apples That's yes nice. indeed yeah. so uh, people have an appreciation of yes you know, sort of how um, you know food is processed in that manner uh, we've had other events up here where we've had some woodland craft um, activities here, and um, you know, wider communities. We have our own uh, bonfire night up here. and um, Tell me what about this uh, this wassailing, uh, that, uh, <laughs> this
0: little-known thing here you do where you get get together and you sing to the trees. I think for a good harvest. What? Uh, what yes. What's all that about?
1: <laughs> yeah, yet yeah, another. Uh, communal uh, event that we do um sailing goes back to allegedly pagan times of uh you know, trying to wish good health to uh, trees uh, in the uh, dark depths of winter basically uh, we read a poem to the trees anoint it with uh, some uh, cider and Uh, hang some toast up in the branches for the birds uh, because the birds will uh, eat the um, uh, insects and uh, it's uh, supposed to wish good health for the tree and an abundant crop Does it work? Well we've had pretty good crops uh, but uh, yes there's nothing scientific however the uh, idea of uh, doing a a wassail was um, uh, thought about, about Ten years ago, as something to do in that uh, period just after New Year, where really nothing much happens. It's often sort of quite dark, and you know you've had the uh, enjoyment of Christmas and New Year, and there's just nothing really you know to look forward to. So we thought, right, why not get a load of people together one Saturday afternoon, go to the allotment site, and uh, do a, a weisel. People can um, yeah, sort of uh, get together, and then. Uh, yeah so if, if we have a bonfire here we have jack potatoes and that so it becomes a, a communal social event and, and a few glasses of cider drunk presumably of course so if, if, if you're to carry on with the festivities <laughs> from christmas and the new year yeah.
0: let's let's be honest
1: but so it, apple juice can be consumed if you okay. wish to. Of course. Yeah, that's okay. So
0: apple juice to cider, mm. very simply, let's not go into the technicalities, but it's not a complex process from one to the other yeah. is
1: it really? Exactly like wine making, yeah. you uh, obtain the juice and you put it into uh, vessels containers and you let it naturally ferment. Uh, cider takes about six months so uh, over the winter period and it becomes ready in about April and May, hence the uh, um, the phrase the merry month of May was the time when ah. new new batch of cider could be uh, tasted.
0: Just as well my birthday's in May, mm. now, now I'll know exactly how to celebrate. <laughs> Fantastic. So now we're here, we've got this wonderful view. We see where you live and why you live here. I mean it is quite a stunning view on a beautiful day. You can probably, um, you can hear all the lovely birds chirping in the background. Unfortunately there's a bit of building work going on in the distance. Because um, I believe they're extending the, uh, the, the the site over there, the cemetery, uh, yes. because the local authority are running out of burial plots. So you might hear a bit of digging going on over there. But frankly, we are in a almost idyllic position here. The sun down on us, is just outside London. This is this is quite amazing.
1: Yeah, but a lot of people uh, don't uh, believe how green Southeast London is. Yeah, we've got a huge, great big. Waves of greenery. We've got parts of ancient woodland going off towards Crystal Palace, and we've got lots of really verdant uh, railway uh, cuttings uh, that uh, stretch a long way, from creating green corridors. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, lots of uh, beautiful uh, green space. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ian, before we wrap up,
0: you're a Freeman of the City of London. How on earth? I mean, that is in itself an ancient honor, which is bestowed upon only very few uh, people ever get that. It goes back, I believe, to the 13th century, and you're you're in very esteemed company with the likes of, I think, Nelson Mandela and Florence Nightingale and J.K. Rowling and Michael Caine, and more recently, I think, some of our uh, Olympians, you know, and Paralympians. How on earth did you get that? I mean, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, the uh, Freeman of the City was for when apprentices uh, finished their apprenticeship, that to uh, demonstrate that they had um, uh, were competent enough to ply their trade, and then became free to trade. Um, uh, these days, the uh, Freeman of the City is uh, a purely ceremonial um, honour that is uh, granted. Uh, for me. I was proposed by uh, two liverymen who are Freeman uh, as uh, being yeah. a, a good character and uh, upright citizen and uh, all round. <laughs>
0: but you, uh, you, you're doing yourself a little bit of a disservice there because you've got to be a little bit more than just a good character, you've got to give to the community and things for the community I and mean, exactly what we're looking for here on your London and Legacies, provide a legacy you know, for the community so yes. it's a fantastic honour. Um, and an amazing ceremony and I know you don't go around with you, do you get a medal? or you, I think you used to get a hundred pieces of gold or something didn't you in a casket yeah, or something? Uh, <laughs> not not these days no,
1: it, it, um, uh, I just have a certificate and uh, it, it is just a ceremonial um, uh, position and I'm not allowed to uh, use it to uh, personally profit from it. So, so. so you can't,
0: yeah okay you can sign your name off, what, what, what <laughs> is the title you get? Just a Freeman. Fre-
1: yes, Freeman of the City of London. Freeman of the City of London.
0: Well, well, that, that's an incredible honour, and uh, you should be rightly proud of what you, what you've achieved in terms of uh, all the things you've done for the community, and that's a legacy given to you from 13th century, and you're now handing on a legacy to others in terms of the work you do for the allotment and your cider and everything else. So you should be rightly proud of what you've achieved. Yes, thank you. That's a pleasure. So it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Um, and hopefully we'll keep in touch and you can tell us um, you know h- how things develop here. Before we go can you just tell people how they can find you or how they can get in touch to come and look around the most unusual home, how they can come and find you on the allotment here for the cider tastings and so on and so forth?
1: Yep, yeah, uh, for the water seagull uh, housing um a internet search of uh, Walter Siegel buildings you will find a website uh, ianwhite.info with a whole list of the Walter Siegel buildings and details of when the the houses will be open or you can look through London Open House website there and uh, for cider um, if you look for One Tree Hill Cider um, on the internet, you'll find a link to my webpage with various information about the cider there. Brilliant.
0: Thank you very much, Ian, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank, thank you. Thank you.